Anyone can restore a car. It takes a real man to cut one up. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Guitar master, bearded wizard, and bona fide car nut. Today we're talking about the legendary Texan guitarist, Billy Gibbons, and his little band from Texas, ZZ Top. But first, what's your favorite ZZ Top car? Well, I like the one on the uh, the cover to Afterburner, because um, who doesn't like a space car? I couldn't name a song off of the album, but I know what's on the cover of it. I think Afterburner is on that. <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say Cadzilla, which is a 48 Cadillac that slammed and dropped and is just an incredibly looking vehicle. you gotta, you got to Google a picture of this thing right now. Uh, she's both a beauty and a beast. Well, I'm going to say uh, the car from Eliminator, uh, which is uh, the car from the video to Sharp Dressed Man, because every girl is crazy about a Sharp Dressed Man and his car. If only that were truly true. <laughs> Never go crazy about a Even if he has a beard down to his waist. I have birds living in my face. <laughs> Billy F. Gibbons was born December 16, 1949, to Freddie and Lorraine Gibbons. They lived in Tanglewood at the time, a neighborhood of Houston, and his father was an entertainer, orchestra conductor, and a concert pianist. He'd worked alongside his second cousin, art director Cedric Gibbons, for Samuel Goldwyn at MGM Studios. Young Billy showed his musical prowess early, and Freddie had sent him to New York City to study percussion with Tito Puente. In 1963, Gibbons received his first electric guitar for his 13th birthday. It was a Gibson Sunburst Melody Maker, accompanied by a large cat amplifier. One of his earliest guitar influences, like many other guitarists of the time, was bluesman Jimmy Reed. While he was attending Warner Brothers Art School in Hollywood, California, Gibbons played with his first bands, including the Saints, Billy G and the Blue Flames, and the Coachman. He then founded the Texas-based psychedelic group The Moving Sidewalks, which recorded several singles and one full-length album. It was, that album was called Flash. Gibbons and the Moving Sidewalks came to prominence opening for the Jimi Hendrix Experience during that legend's first American tour as a headliner. In the band's set list was the song The 99th Floor. This title is a nod to the influence of fellow Texan and pioneering psychedelic band The 13th Floor Elevators, headed by Rokey Erickson. Years later, during live performances, when he played the string-bending intro to The Foxy Lady, Gibbons would comment that Hendrix taught him how to play the song when he was about 17 in Dallas. The long-standing rumors have it that at the end of the tour, Hendrix gave Gibbons the pink Stratocaster he'd been playing as a token of his appreciation for Gibbons' level of talent. Jimi Hendrix later said that Gibbons was one of the guitarists in the U.S. Following the dissolution of the moving sidewalks, Gibbons formed ZZ Top in late 1969, which, after a few lineup changes, settled on bassist vocalist Dusty Hill and drummer Frank Beard, both members of the band American Blues. Gibbons provided the band's main writing and musical stylings in the early days, but he was hesitant to sign a recording deal. 
After honing their trademark blues rock style, they finally recorded and released the aptly titled ZZ Top's first album on the London Records label in 1971. That's a good title. Yeah. yeah. It's very it's clear. There's no, no question. Just so you know, this is our first. <laughs> so, so if, you know, if, you, if it's not any not, good. Not, we'll quite, not yeah. quite Chicago, but... The 70s were a weird time. Like, Toto in Chicago did all that number garbage. Mm. The next year, Gibbons and the band released Rio Grande Mud, which was not commercially successful. The only single released was Francine, which had a B-side of Down Brownie. Francine was also released as a 45 with a Spanish version B-side. Now, I have this 45, but it, it unfortunately got damaged many years ago, uh, and it's very hard to find the Spanish version of Francine. Great song. Now, that said, Francine is yet another 70s song about inappropriate relationships with underage women. And one verse of the song goes, quote, My Francine just turned 13. She's my angelic teenage queen. And I love her. She's all that I want. <laughs> Ew. We don't endorse this song. We do not endorse 13-year-olds. <laughs> so, so, quick being question. Hmm? Did, uh... Did they actually sing the Spanish version themselves? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Billy Gibbons actually sings it. It's a, y lo quiero, es no more lo que quiero. It's great. <laughs> you got to find it. Uh, so the Rio Grande Mud Tour was also a disappointment for them, and they played mostly to empty theaters. But the world was about to change for ZZ Top. In 1973, ZZ Top released the epic album Tres Hombres, which took the band to number 10 on the rock charts. The hit single, LaGrange, tells the true Texas tale of the notorious chicken ranch. This is a house of ill repute that's located in the tiny town of LaGrange, which is in southeast Texas. This is also, of course, the subject of the play and later the movie, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Uh, it, it's a Texas Texas fixture of the of the middle part of the 20th century of this this famous uh yeah mid-century yeah, mid texas. texas where the winner of the annual texas ou football game uh, the team would go allegedly to this place and the winner would be treated to an evening of well you get the picture at any rate the band followed this hit up with later records and successes including the hit song tush which is on Fandango. Got to give you an explanation on that one. Yeah, got to pronounce Fandango! it. Fandango! Awesome album. In May of 1976, ZZ Top embarked on the Worldwide Texas Tour. Inspired by the outdoor environment and wildlife of their native Texas, the stage featured several scrims, which are like giant semi-transparent curtains that can be used as projection screens. Um, you see a lot in theatrical productions that formed a three-dimensional panorama of the Texas prairies stretching to the Sierra Madre Mountains. Live animals, plants, and various visual effects were incorporated into the shows. Although ZZ Top was really known for their modest live performances in the early 1970s, their worldwide Texas tour was intentionally ironic and energetic. They just really went over the top on purpose. On stage, they wore studded western suits. The Worldwide Texas Tour sold around 1.2 million tickets over its five legs, breaking attendance records and filling stadiums. Now, to now I have a quick question. Is this Worldwide Tour where they took Texas around the world, or did they tour around Texas? 
No, they, they, it's, a, it's a tour where they took Texas around the world. Well, for that, they should go into Texas's Hall of Fame alone. <laughs> I, listen, they made their bones on a Texas history story. And then they packed up everything they could, including animals from Texas, and took it on the road. (laughs) So this is like... Yeah, taking Texas on the road, put it all on stage. So the grueling and intense Worldwide Texas tour ended on December 31st, 1977. That's that's almost two full years. That's a lot. And they'd they'd been touring, supporting all the other albums right up with no break. But, yeah. you know, two years on a bus with a bunch of animals and scrims. <laughs> so ZZ Top takes a break. Originally, this was supposed to just be 90 days off, but the hiatus actually lasted for a little over two years. Billy left for Europe, Frank headed to Jamaica, and Dusty went to Mexico. Their longtime manager took this time to negotiate a deal that allowed the band to keep control of their previous recordings and be distributed by their new label, Warner Brothers. While on hiatus... Both Dusty Hill and Billy Gibbons had independently grown the chest-length beards that are now the band's trademark. They picked right up where they left off, though, recording the albums Deguayo and El Loco, which included the hits Cheap Sunglasses and Tube Snake Boogie. And Deguayo is one of my favorite ZZ Top albums of all time. There are, it, is a, it was a top ten album. It, it is a fantastic awesome. album. Go listen to it when you're done yeah. listening to us. In 1983, ZZ Top transformed both their sound and their image. In true 1980s fashion, they brought out the synthesizers. They hit international prominence and their commercial peak with the release of 1983's diamond-selling disc, Eliminator. I didn't even know there was a diamond-selling. I know there's gold and platinum, but there's actually diamond-selling? How many is that? Oh, there's How diamond. How many is that? Well, nobody... That's like uh, that, Adele numbers. Or like... Oh, okay. Wow. No. So so what is Michael Jackson? Is that like titanium or something? Is, or Thriller uh, is like... Adamantium or something? Uh, well, it, these are arbitrary units. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hang on a look at These are not absolute. Yeah, it's like what, whatever will fit on the record executive's wall. Is that is that basically what it is? Uh, Eli- Eliminator was named after Gibbons' customized 1933 Ford Coupe, uh, and it was featured in three of the band's music videos. The car is now actually on exhibition at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. This album featured Give Me All Your Lovin', Legs, and the one that I mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast, Sharp Dressed Man. Just so you know, if you sell more than 10 million records as Diamond. Wow, cool. You've shipped shipped 10 million, I guess you could say. Thriller is 32 times over platinum, so there's nothing to... (laughs) (laughs) It's a different scale altogether. It's on another scale. For about the next couple of decades, uh, ZZ Top continued to release various albums, but they never quite reached the commercial success they did with Eliminator. But they did have several high points, including uh, the title, well, I don't know if you call it the title, but the featured song in Back to the Future 3 uh, called Double Back Again. Uh, It's a fun little song. I like it. Made it on their their greatest And they were featured in the movie. Can't be all bad. And they were briefly featured in the movie in the Old West with their uh, old-timey rotating guitars and drum. (laughs) Um, And for me, a personal memory from this period uh, was also their uh, Antenna album, which, again, I couldn't name any songs off of it, but I remember the videos and uh, the tour, the stage tour of them, where they were uh, harnessed up and flying around on stage. 
um, which I thought was remarkable because even then I kind of thought of them as the old guys of rock and roll. <laughs> so to see them flying around on stage in these Peter Pan-like harnesses um, was, was, was something that has always stuck with me. <sighs> it's a special time. You yes. kids today. So in 2003, there was a comprehensive collection of recordings from the London and Warner Brothers years entitled Chrome, Smoke, and Barbecue. In 2004, ZZ Top was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, They have the distinction of being among a very small group of bands with a 40-year-plus history that still has all of its original members. That's pretty impressive. Which is probably a lot easier to do when there's only three of them. Well, it's a lot easier to keep a trio uh, together than, uh, you know, say, Chicago. I don't know. You might ask Sting about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy Gibbons has collaborated musically for many years outside of ZZ Top with great musicians such as B.B. King, the inspiration for ZZ Top's name, Beck, Jack White, Lou Reed, Hank Williams III, and even Kid Rock. Now, in the profitable musician <laughs> category, he did appear on several Nickelback songs. He was also part of the very special Conan O'Brien farewell broadcast, accompanying Will Ferrell, uh, O'Brien himself, Beck, and Ben Harper in a moving rendition of Leonard Skinner's Freebird. In 2015, Billy Gibbons released a solo. In 2015, Gibbons released a solo project titled "Perfecta Mundo." <laughs> it's perfect. Now, in addition to rocking out in the booth and on the stage, he, Gib, Billy Gibbons has made multiple appearances on television. He actually has a recurring role on Fox's seemingly never-ending series Bones, where he plays a fictionalized version of himself. It's the father of Michaela Conlon's character Angela, uh, Angela Pearly Gates Montenegro. And, but he, he really does play Billy Gibbons. He's on tour and comes back in every once in a while. He's very protective of his daughter, and he often uh, threatens... Uh, Angela's husband and colleague, Dr. Jack Hodgkins, telling them that if he hurts Angela, he's going to pay. And so I've I've seen several of these episodes where he kind of shows up and is gruff and is is cool and wearing something crazy and has his beard. (laughs) He's an old man. But anyway, yeah, driving driving a cool cool car. car. Yeah, has sunglasses on the whole time. Gibbon's love of guitars in Texas has also led to animated appearances on both the Adult Swim show Metalocalypse as well as fellow Texan Mike Judge's King of the Hill. Gibbons is a custom car enthusiast, as we've said, with an extensive collection. In addition to the iconic Eliminator featured in the videos from the 1980s, his collection also includes uh, Mike's favorite, the 1948 Cadillac Series 62, known as Cadzilla, with two Zs, a 1962 Chevrolet Impala, known as Slampala, a 1950 Ford Business Coupe, and a 1958 Ford Thunderbird. And I'm sure that is just the tip of the iceberg. Gibbons published a book in 2011 about his love of cars and guitars titled Billy F. Gibbons, Rock and Roll Gearhead. On his love of customized vehicles, Gibbons said, anyone can restore a car. It takes a real man to cut one up. <laughs> let's, get, uh, let's get the sawzall and go to work. This sucker needs to be chopped. Just as to, to round things out, as we know, Billy Gibbons is not the only member of ZZ Top. Um, bassist Dusty Hill is a member. He also, of course, as we said, has a, has a very long beard. He's been in several uh, television shows, including Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme and WWE Raw and Deadwood, which I'm sure he fit right in in Deadwood. 
He also was in King of the Hill, and he made an appearance on the Drew Carey Show as himself, auditioning for a spot in Drew's band, but he did not get the part because he wouldn't shave his beard. And then the ironically named Frank Beard, who is the only member of the band who doesn't have a beard, uh, is mostly known because he doesn't have a beard. But uh, he and uh, Hill grew up together and played in a number of bands in the Dallas and Fort Worth Houston circuit. So uh, lots of interesting names like the Warlocks and the Cellar Dwellers, uh, things like that. Well, you know, I think you can't be from Texas uh, and certainly not be steeped in ZZ Top and the lore of the band. I mean, it's, uh, you know, look, uh, we're going to make a movie about 1970s Texas. Better get ZZ Top on that soundtrack. Yeah, exactly. Dazed and confused. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, he was, he's a cool yeah. guy. He's done a lot. He's always showing up a lot, doing a lot of neat things. And it's, it's interesting when you sort of go like, wow, like, he's just been around forever. Um, but I, I, it's the early stuff that's crazy to me is that, like, his dad worked right there, you know, uh, right there with the art director for, you know, right under Samuel Goldwyn at MGM, uh, that he was able to go to New York and study with Tito Puente as a kid, uh, that he just sort of picked up the guitar and then it was just off to the races and running. Um, but the other great thing about, about not just Gibbons, but all those easy top, they come back to Texas. Yeah. They come back to Texas and they carry a little piece of it with them. And they're just, they're as identifiable... As, as a Willie Nelson or something like that to yeah. me. Well, I was going to say, for me, you know, keeping it in the in the kind of the rock and roll zone, um, you know, there's several bands that I hear, and I can hear just a, a little bit of a song and know instantly mm-hmm. that it's that band. Uh, the one that comes to mind is Metallica has a very particular Metallica sound that nobody else has quite captured. And ZZ Top is the same way. It's like you just hear a little bit of a... Uh, a blues boogie from ZZ Top, and it's like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's ZZ Top. It's like just yeah. instant, it's it's, instant it's, recognition. It's beyond, it's beyond recognition. It's like iconic. It's they are they are so identified with that sound. Like you hear a Bob Dylan song, you know it's a Bob Dylan song. You know you hear, uh, but you hear you hear Billy Gibbons start singing, and you hear that that tune of his guitar, and you instantly know, like you said, that's ZZ Top. There's there's no doubt about it. Well, uh, so I was going to point out a couple of uh, neat things. Um, you know, their early stuff has been published. It's been remixed. There's actually a couple of different, like, sort of mastered versions of it out there. But when you really get to Trace Ombres, uh, that's an incredible album. That's one worthy of just talking about that album in whole of itself, the history and the production of that album. Uh, there's a great link that we're going to put in the show notes to... Um, and Austin, so if you find a real copy of the album, uh, it's it's a big green cover. But when you open it up, inside it has this full, like giant spread of like just a ton of this Mexican food in there, uh, and it's delicious. <laughs> and and um, they couldn't figure out what to put it in, so they just put all this Mexican food on a table and took a picture of it. But uh, <laughs> earlier in 2016, um, earlier this year, uh, an Austin artist like cooked all the food up exactly like it looks in the picture and recreated the whole picture and did a big spread for Texas Monthly. So uh, it has a whole bunch of interesting stuff around that, that liner, liner notes picture. Yeah, and, and that actually, that, that album, that picture is, is a much beloved but uh, closed uh, Mexican restaurant called Leo's Mexican Restaurant in Houston. 
And so like it, that, those pictures capture like lost food. People have a double bit of nostalgia if they, they love the food in Leo's uh, and they love that Trace Ombres album. So it's fantastic. ZZ Top kind of, you know, was kind of in the, the background noise of things for a while for me until, um, I don't know if I heard the song on the radio or it was, um, you know, on a commercial. I don't, I don't remember where I heard it first, um, but they did a recent uh, EP, I guess, uh, produced by Rick Rubin, the famous producer Rick Rubin, uh, called La Futura. Um, but there's a song on there that is a interpretation of uh, a uh, a hip hop song uh, called Twenty Five Lighters, um, called Got to Get mm-hmm. Paid, and uh, it's really good. And so these guys have been around for a long time, but they've they really do still have it, and it's it's really great. Well, I just think like you know that it. In, there's still that little band from Texas, and the, all the all the gimmicks and the looks and everything else you take it away, you strip all of what you think of ZZ Top just in the personality and the show, and the showmanship, and you still have great music. You have timeless songs uh, that really represent their era, and I, I just think they're innovative artists that haven't. I don't know that they're put on as high a level. Like I think people will go right to. Uh, you know, a Led Zeppelin or something like that and be like, yeah, that's great. But have you heard Billy Gibbons play the guitar? Um, one thing I think was uh, interesting, so Frank Beard has a big house down in Richmond, not far from where my parents live. And um, there's a big steel gate there. It's a And uh, it has top 40 right over the gate when you come in, so... <laughs> they're you know they're still here they still live you know they're still in and around texas and, and you you might run into them now if you want a little piece of billy gibbons you can always go and buy his line of hot sauces he makes now <laughs> uh and they're bfg for billy f gibbons i i so. think that culturally like i think everybody so many people of our generation of like a certain age you know whether it's it's a little bit maybe a generation or a couple of years before us that you know where they were just super hot in the late 70s you know of you know you drive around in your car like you said in texas you're going to be listening to zz top uh, but then for for our age people um you know we remember that legs video and the sharp dressed man video all those, those those great mtv songs where this was really hard rocking stuff for the time you know mid 80s for mtv um but it was still cool, you know, cool, slick videos that just looked really cool. But it's a great sound also with it. I mean, legs, legs is legs is like you just just have a mental image when you hear that song, legs, and when you hear Sharp Dressed Man, that just takes you back to like, you know, nineteen eighty four and MTV. You know, just seeing those videos. Well, it just makes you hope that if you're like an awkward geeky guy that. You know, three <laughs> three musical ghosts might come out of the desert in a red car, dress you, you up, nice, give you a nice suit. Right. Yeah, yeah, give you a nice suit and send you on your way. Give you the keys to their hot yeah. rod. Yeah. And how how bad is two straight years worth of touring that you gotta you gotta go to separate corners of the globe and grow your beard out <laughs> <laughs> just to get away from it. <sighs> So I don't think they're done. I don't think ZZ Top's done by by a mile. I think he's still got uh, got the music in him. 
He's got crazy car. They're still making crazy cars, and they're they're still out there doing their thing. Yeah. The bones is still on the air. Yeah, I don't know how, but it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, I did some searching here, and I found a couple of good videos, um, actually, of the Worldwide Texas tour. That uh, oh wow, we'll we'll put links to that in the, the show notes for y'all to check. That's out. so cool. Yeah. And just just yeah. just to remember, the legs was a number was the highest charting hit they had. It, it went all the way up to number eight on the U.S. chart. Yeah, so. And on the rock chart, on the rock chart, it went to number three. So they knew they knew how they to didn't use know them. how to use them. That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. Why not follow us individually too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two ends. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show. You love ZZ Top music. And you love Texas. So get out there, do your job, tell everyone you know, and please leave a review on iTunes because that helps us out to find new listeners just like you. And remember, if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash texaspodcast. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.